What is up? I am Edgar Otraves, and you are listening to the Floro Podcast. Now, today on the show, I have a special guest. He is a jujitsu black belt. His name is John Lawrence, and he is the owner and operator and head instructor of Hurricane Jiu-Jitsu out in Cleveland, Ohio. Now, if you're new to the show, make sure you check out our website, thefloorwheelpodcast.com. We're going through a little bit of a redesign, so you might see it, you know, looking a little wacky. In the meantime, you can still go to the website and check out our entire catalog. You can see everything there, every episode, along with curated special playlists just for the interest that you may have. Because on this podcast, we handle a few different themes, and I realize that some of my listeners prefer certain themes. So I have that curated just for you in playlists. You can go to the website and find yourself a jiu-jitsu playlist or a combat sports playlist a horror movie playlist or just movie reviews in general make sure you head on over to our website and check all that out so i know it's been a while it's been difficult for me to record episodes uh, we've got some personal stuff going on i just don't have the bandwidth to record episodes at certain times these episodes are going to be coming at you kind of sporadically it's kind of out of my control i'm doing my best to handle it but i'm going to try to keep the one episode a week schedule that i have it's unlikely that it's going to keep going like that but once everything settles down we'll get back on schedule and get an episode every monday until then things are going to be a little wacky uh so please be patient you're working on it now in this particular episode with john we talk that crazy sumo night he's got going on we talk a little bit about that right at the beginning of the show we also talk about periodization it was a really fun talk and i was so happy to sit down and have a chat with john and just talk jiu-jitsu man so i hope you dig this episode now without further ado on with the show Welcome to another episode of the Floral Podcast. I am Edgar Otravez, and today on the show I have owner and operator, head instructor of Hurricane Jiu-Jitsu. His name is John Lawrence. What's up, John? What's going on, man? Back again. I apologize for snacking and doing coffee. Right. I, I was just saying, I, I just like literally just drove over from competition practice, and I'm like trying to refuel so I don't pass out during this thing <laughs> yeah no please don't pass out man i'm ready man I'm ready. Uh, all right cool so um first off before we get into the whole uh discussion about your training i wanted to talk about sumo night yeah, uh, I, yeah. so i see all the videos coming through on instagram you know because i you know i stalk you <laughs> so like that shit looks fun dude so can you explain sumo night tell me how it started and what are the rules yeah, so uh, I mean, so on the on the surface, it just looks like some like kind of goofy thing that we're doing to you know like get together and party. Like it it, it looks like a game, and it's uh, it is a game. We run it we run it like traditional sumo, aside from the diaper outfit. Um, but <laughs> yeah, the rules are basically if you can push somebody outside the bounds of the black mat, like you you win a point. If you can snap them down to touch their hands in the mat or a knee in the mat. You win a point. So it's it's really like if anything besides their feet are touching the mat, you win. So fingertips, knees, hip, anything. Mm. And then obviously like the big throws, like those are just sort of an extension of that rule. I, so I consider it like a really powerful training tool disguised as a, as a game. Like, so, I mean, what is your, what you, what's your experience like watching the, the highlights? Like, how do you feel about it? So first off, I do see it as a good old fun time because you guys are like throwing a party. There's people yeah. cheering. So like the sound is great, right? Because you yeah, hear all these awesome. people. 
Yeah, there's a lot of people there, right? And it looks like oh, fun. Yeah, everybody's oh. going, oh. And then you see the big throws and you see the funny ones. And it like the way you guys cut it is great, right? So you get a, uh, a good like taste of what it might have been like. Because it's sumo, I at least from the little bit that I know about sumo is you can push a person out of the ring and yeah. you win, right? That makes it kind of easy. But it also, I think, lends itself to the, per- to the person that doesn't have a lot of takedowns like if you can just push the person you win and i think it's a nice like you said game it looks like fun but also it gets for that it gets that one person that may not have the best takedowns to actually have a chance to win with just pushing you know uh, um yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense i would also say that the the, the pushing aspect of it is is deceptively difficult especially when you get paired against people who understand like how to exploit you pushing too hard. Mm-hmm. And that's actually like, that's the training tool portion. So what I, what I always tell people, I get a lot of eye rolls when we, when we, when I tell, cause we do sumo at practice too. Oh yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. So like a lot of Nogi practices, I'll finish the warm up with, with like sumo game, or we'll even like use sumo as a primer for, for sparring. Uh-huh. And a lot of people like us, like who haven't played it before, kind of like eye rolling, like, oh God, we're doing sumo. This is lame. I want to do jujitsu. And then we do it for a few rounds. And not only is it a great training tool, it's exhausting. It's really, really intense and it's hard to do. Mm-hmm. But sumo trains, it trains good hand fighting. It trains controlling the clinch, like controlling the, the overhooks versus the underhooks. Um, it controls like weight distribution, trains weight distribution. It trains push pull. It train. I think I mentioned hand fighting already. It trains like getting proper angles. And then like, even if something is quote unquote lame as just snapping the person down to their hands, like, let's say that you're, I notice you're pushing into me way too hard. You're trying to push me out. And I sort of like cut an angle on you and snap you down to your hands. That's me also snapping you down to a front headlock position. Yeah. Like, you know, if your hands are on the mat, your head is almost by definition going to be lower than mine. And then I can just front headlock you. Um, even with like the pushouts, the pushouts are like, oh, like, well, you can push the guy out. It's easy. Like two things I noticed about training sumo a lot. Number one, when you push people, even if there's not a rule about pushing them out of bounds, when you shove somebody aggressively, they will compensate by pushing back into you mm-hmm. and you can exploit that. Like, it really does happen. And then also if you're at like a tournament, like an IBJJF event, if you're the person who's constantly pushing forward and you're constantly forcing your partner to backpedal and walk out of bounds, they'll be penalized in most cases. And then you're going to pick up points or advantages so that there is like an actual competitive function to it as well. Yeah. No, I could see how it lends itself to, um, to just, uh, regular jiu-jitsu training and especially for those who again like uh the 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 stand-up aspect of it but you know what you bring up a good point about the hand fighting hand fighting is very important and i think uh especially when you're first learning takedowns it's one of those aspects that's a little more nebulous right i think people don't teach it well enough or enough just in general and uh, uh sumo at least from the little bit that i've seen that looks like a good opportunity, like you're saying, uh, to train that hand fighting. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I think it's one of those one of those things where, if you have like a like a jujitsu coach teaching takedowns, he'll often go, "All right, guys, here we are," and then he'll sort of like put his right hand up for the car tie, and he'll put like a left elbow post, 
And then his dummy or his training partner will do the same thing. And they just kind of start from like a clinch. They just kind of start from like a collar tie clinch with very little discussion about like how to build to that position safely and properly. They just mm-hmm. start they're like, all right, so you're here and then you pop the elbow and you hit a duck under. It's like, well, right. But you were just three feet apart. How do we go from there to here properly? That, yeah. that, that's, that, that's often glossed over. Yeah. And yeah, it's a good point because like, nobody's just going to give you their neck for a collar tie yeah you know like nobody's just be like oh yeah here take my neck you know unless they are they're doing something right unless they're nobody's skilled i agree yeah 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 Yeah. so um how long does a match usually last is it like quick because it looks like it's quick it is the sumo that wasn't like yeah that wasn't just editing uh the sumo matches they can be over in like five seconds like if you know or less i feel like the longest i've seen the matches go we we play it for best out of three so it's like Mm. whoever gets the best two out of three points uh wins the match but i feel like usually you're going to get to at least one point within the first 30 to 45 seconds (laughs) that's fast very quick um and yeah like all the different ways to score really just just because there's so many different ways you, you can score it seems to really push the pace of the match so what are the different ways to score? So you you mentioned a couple of them already. You push them oh, out of the ring. You throw yeah. them. They pu- hit the ground. Push out, snapping somebody down to any like anything except their feet, knee, hip, hands. Uh, some some people like didn't want to put their hands down, so they tucked up and they would just face plant. Oh, that's horrible! Give yourself a concussion. <laughs> if you watch the highlight, there is one highlight of a guy who's like who's. Uh, um, He's like body locked from the rear and he doesn't want to post his hands. So he just keeps his hands tucked into his body and his forehead just goes right into the mat. Oh, it's really like, I mean, you're going to lose anyway. I don't really see the point. It was, it was just, it's, you know, your body's like trying to, trying to win. I get it. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, that that's really it. Those are, those are, those are really all the ways to win. And then like we, there are some big throws you can see in that, in the highlight video. And those are just, that's just like, sort of bonus style points when people hit those oh so uh, there's you don't get extra points for throws no and maybe it's, you should that'd, that'd be kind of sick you know like a big yeah. epon you know yeah the, that'd be sweet like that, if, that, you, if they if they get up if they get elevated maybe three feet you throw an extra point on top or something we modified the rules this time through a little bit because sometimes if you hit like a lat drop you know like your hip will technically touch the mat if you're executing the throw right before your partner's does. And so like, technically you should lose the match because your hip touched the mat first. Do you oh. understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like a sacrifice throw. Uh-huh. And we said like, look, if that's happening, tie goes to the runner. We're going to give it to like the person who's who's going for the throw. Yeah. So that's what we did. Okay. That's interesting. It's a great training tool. I mean, honestly, the like, I would almost want to start, like if I got somebody fresh and I'm like, hey, have you wrestled before? And they're like, no, I've never done jujitsu or wrestling. I would almost be inclined to just have them play sumo for a few practices. And I feel like that would go, that would go such a long way in, in getting them to like, understand like how to stand up with people. So if you were going to do that, wouldn't there be something else that you would accompany that with the, the little bit of knowledge? Like you got somebody fresh, right? You want mm-hmm. them to maybe try training a little sumo for a little bit. Is there something else that you would say, okay, like, I need to teach this guy how to fall. I need this. I need to teach this guy, uh, you know, some basic, you know, guard positioning. 
or would you just let them have it? They just be like, okay, figure it out, you know, play a little bit, and you put them with somebody who won't kill them. If I'm starting somebody fresh, like for jujitsu, the first thing I'm probably going to teach them is like how to escape bad positions because that's where everybody's going to put you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but if I had, te- if I had like a minute, you know, if I had literally like, well, let's say I had like five minutes with somebody, and we just appeared at a tournament and they'd never trained before and they'd never wrestled before and they were like, and I'm with. We're like, okay, in five minutes, you're going to go into this tournament and you're going to, you're going to compete. And I had five minutes. I would probably go over basic dynamics from the feet, like clinch dynamics, proper positioning. Because if you teach people, like if you teach people, so we call this, we call this over under or clinch dynamics. It's part of our stand-up unit that I teach where I'll put, I'll just put guys in like an over under position, like a dogfight position where like you have the underhook, I have the overhook, depending on the height you know, we'll have one or the other and I'll just put people there and I will teach them like, like what are the main bullet points that are going to win, win people that position, like, like who's going to win there and why, and then why the underhook works versus why the overhook works, how they're equal in a lot of ways. And then like once you walk somebody through that, it is shockingly difficult to throw them or take them down once they understand it just a little bit. So I would probably do that for five minutes before I put somebody in a competition. Because once you're on top, if you can force top position, grappling becomes like much more intuitive. When we start our stand-up unit, that's one of the first things I do. I just put people in over-under and I go, okay, we're just going to kind of play here. And you're going to get comfortable being locked into this this half half clinched position. That's cool, man. I'm going to have to steal that from you. I'm going to have to, I'm going to beg someone. I'm going to beg one of my instructors, please. Can we do sumo night? (laughs) Once you do it for a little while, also like somebody can kind of explain the benefits to you, but once you've done it for a little bit, it's a light bulb goes on for sure. Is there a specific size that you follow for the, for the ring itself or you don't care? I don't, I don't think it matters um, too much. I think the matches will just be quicker if it's smaller. That's it. You know, the bigger, the bigger the ring is, you take out the the urgency when it comes to the pushouts and the pushouts really help like drive the action mm-hmm. so uh yeah d- tr- i mean but, but like we just we've just got like a standard sort of ibjjf size uh three ring setup at my school so i have to ask where did the idea come from like how did you say okay you know what we should try this it's funny because there was a lot of parallel thinking involved with that so that's a game that i've played with with the kids in the kids program for a really long time at least the the push out and throwing bit the way that i would play with with the kids in the kids program is if you push somebody out you get a point and then also if you shot a takedown Mm. get a point so this would include single legs double legs that type of thing which you can still shoot at sumo night now but you have to be really cognizant to not put your knee down when you shoot your like a single leg you lose if you put a knee down so you have to scoop up like old man singles where you just kind of like duck down and grab it now dan sweeney who runs dps breakdowns he he was doing sumo breakdowns for a while and he thought he thought it was a really cool sport and he was also in parallel like playing that with at some of his classes and he added in the rule of like the snap down like snapping somebody down to their knees and their hands whereas like prior to that I was I, I had no problem with people putting their hands in their and their knees on the mat because they were like trying to shoot takedowns. Uh, but I definitely saw the value in just being able to snap someone down to to knees or snap somebody down to hands 
because like I said, I'm a, I'm a big front headlock player. And I realized like, if you can snap somebody down to their hands, you can front headlock them, you can score and you can finish, you can finish the match too. Hmm. So yeah, we were, it was weird. We were kind of like, there was kind of like, we were playing it in parallel, but with two different rule sets. And then I, I, I he explained how he was playing it, like with the adult students. And I was like, you know what? Like that probably is going to translate a little better. And so we just started doing it that way. Dude, that's awesome that you guys were kind of like arriving to the same conclusion. Well, it's sort of, I've been, I've been playing it for like a really long time with the kids program. But like I said, I was just letting them wrestle. I was letting them drop their knees down. I was letting them drop their hands down. And there was this whole, you didn't have the same push pull dynamic uh, with that rule set. Now, as soon as there were <clears throat> snap downs, that changed everything. Huh. Man, that looks so much. That looks like so much fun, man. It's great, man. Yeah. Play it, play it, play it. It's, it's, it's uh, people and, and people, I promise you, people will eye roll the shit out of you. Like when, <laughs> when you first introduce it. And then everybody is going to be all smiles and like being like, that was awesome. That was great. After the first half hour planet and they're going to be exhausted. It's hard. It's really difficult. Yeah. Ha. Huh. I guess you're really going hard for like, you know, the five, 10 seconds that you're in this circle. Right. And if you want, if you want to add a layer to like the difficulty, one thing you can do is you can do it like King of the Hill style where the winner stays in. And then the winner either like, you know, like, they're they're a victim of their own success at a certain point in time because they just keep they keep scoring on people but after a while the the exhaustion starts to catch up and so then the people coming off the wall who are freshly rested they've got an advantage in conditioning so things start to even out it's really interesting hmm. so how often do you play this um i would definitely say that i do it in um like guess phases or cycles where if we're doing like a guard, like a, like a guard playing unit, you know, mm -hmm. I might not run that as a warm up or a primer, but if we're doing like ta a takedown unit, I absolutely will. Definitely not something I run like all like year round or, or a oh. cycle, like oh. not the whole cycle. Oh, so but. you don't, as a training tool, you don't use it very often. We use it like, I would just say it's cyclical. We use mm -hmm. it. One thing I've told you this before, we've talked a lot about this. We, we don't most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time we don't warm our students up in, in the traditional way. We don't run, we don't stretch. We don't do jumping jacks. We try to funnel most of the warm up stuff. We try to do just like guard passing drills, you know, guard retention drills, clinch drills. We just try to get, and we tell people we're like, look, nobody's warm easy flow relax and if i see somebody like starting to push the pace right i walk over i go you you got to bring it down like we're not warm yet you mm -hmm. know so uh so so we'll use it we'll use sumo like sort of like in that sense like where it could be it could be like part of a uh I, like a like a primer for sparring is a really good place to put it where like everybody's already kind of warmed up but like, you know how sometimes when you're like, you warm up and then you start doing technique and you start cooling off. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I know it's exactly a, what you're talking about. Yeah. It's a great place where it's like, it's not quite as like dynamic as like Brazilian jiu-jitsu, full Brazilian jiu-jitsu sparring. It's a little more controlled in, in some ways. So you don't have to be like full warm to like get into it. So it's like a nice primer for sparring. I want to get into the periodization that you do yeah. for your yeah. training. Yeah. Uh, Cause I could probably keep going on sumo night but i, I would it's do fun. one of yeah, it's cool yeah it's, it definitely looks cool i'm gonna i have to at the very least maybe get some friends hey man you guys want to play sumo <laughs> <laughs> the last thing about it is cool is that anybody anybody can learn how to play in like five minutes mm. 
like to be good at it, you have to, you have to be very skilled, but like the barrier to entry is extremely low. I did a, uh, like, like a seminar for these high school kids, like their gym, their gym teacher knew about hurricane and brought them in. And so I was getting all of these like 17, 18 year old, like high school athletes, like these football players and these, and I was like, okay, like sumo, sumo is going to be perfect because I explained it, you mm-hmm. know? And then I'm, and then I'm like, all right, like who wants to play? And they played a little bit. And then like, I, like I walked in, I'm not a huge guy and I'm 40. And so I was like, all right, like who wants to play? And they were like, they were looking at me and they were like, this, this fucking guy is, thinks he's going to like hang with us. And, like play <laughs> and so, so for a little bit, I was just like playing with these guys and like, I was letting them push me out a little bit. And I see these guys whispering like on the sideline, like, is he trying? Like, is he trying? I can't tell if he's trying or not. Like they're whispering. <laughs> and so then I call in the kid who was like kicking everybody's ass. And he's like, he's like, yo, bro. He's like, you trying right now? And I'm like, no, I'm like, but I will, if you want me to. And like, to their credit, like kids that young when, and when they're athletic and they're 17 or 18 years old and you show them something as simple as look, here's an overhook, here's an underhook, here's a push out, here's a snap down, go they're pretty fucking good at it. Yeah. You know, what I mean? it was, it was like a workout going with these guys. It was yeah. cool. So how'd, they, you, how'd you do against the big kid? It, it's I'm, I'm still, I'm still going to do better than those guys. Most of the time. Like I, I managed to push everybody out, but it was a struggle yeah. and or I managed to, I managed to score on everybody. It was a struggle. Um, but like the gym teachers got a, a like a, a wild kick out of it. The kids got a kick out of it. And, and it was like the, the main theme with that game is like, before you play, it's all smirks and eye rolls. After you play, everybody's smiling and laughing. You, you'll see that happen. Yeah. It just looks like fun, man. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, we, I know you want to get off that. We no, get no, off. no. That's a good story. I'm glad you shared. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, periodization and uh, you wanted to talk a little bit about that uh, since you're going to be competing at the Chicago Open, the IBGJF in August, on August 12th and 13th. What were the, some of the points that you wanted to bring up? This is not fresh in my mind, but can I read to you what one of my students wrote me? And then maybe you can just kind of. Yeah. What do you got? All right. Um, So he says, maybe I'll paraphrase some of this because it's long. He says his experience is that the vast majority of training partners, you know, are not periodizing. Most people are trying to win most of the time. So he's tried to periodize before, but essentially he finds that he finds that he's kind of having it in like an ego battle with himself where like, you know, at first he'll sort of like initiate some light rolling, but if it's somebody who like is one, like in his peer group, uh, you know, as in like his size, his rank, his skill level, he says that the instinct and then he puts in brackets or ego starts to take over and he starts to sort of get after it. And he says, do you have any personal tricks to keep yourself honest in your intention on these days? Um, you know, essentially he's trying to get to the point where he can have like a light day or a moderate day without having one of his gym rivals or his peers push him over the edge into competitive mode. Now, mm-hmm. can you, so I'm just going to kind of hand that to you, you know, what do you, so, so like my thinking is, uh, at least from my experience, especially when it comes to like, it, it was a lot easier training, uh, just in general, it was a lot easier training, uh, kickboxing than it has been training uh, jujitsu. Because at least when I was training kickboxing, everybody who was training with you was either helping you to get to the fight or they are also preparing for themselves 
uh, for a fight. So everybody kind of had a similar goal uh, in the classroom setting, at least with jujitsu and in the experience that I've had, we don't have the same kind of concentration. You have multiple people in the room with uh, different goals in mind. And some guys don't care. Some guys are just coming there to win. And while you're trying to work whatever deal um, in your periodization or learning, they're not going to be, they're not going to be on the same kind of path, but also, mm-hmm. you know, you can't blame them. They got their own thing they're working on and you got yours. Right. Uh, I would almost, I, I, and I know you have like competition training, but I, sure. I would think that the, you would have to kind of, just rely on competition training at that point because that's what was going on when i was training kickboxing is you would it was it was essentially informal competition training and i only say informal was because nobody said oh this is comp training you just showed up and you were ready to go you sparred and that was it the other aspect too is it's like during at least for me and please correct me if you know better um but like when it comes to periodization and training for an event, you're not learning anything new at that point. You are just working over your A game and your B game, trying to sharpen it all up so that when it comes time to actually perform in the competition, you're throwing out your best and you're not trying something new. You're not trying something that you kind of kind of have, you know, you're, 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 you're going with all the tools that, you know, absolutely work. And you're going to, you're going to try to win the fight where, and, and, that's all you're doing during training. You're sharpening your tools that you already have. You're not trying to come up with anything new. So um, the the whole thing where he's coming into class or whatever, and, you, and he's doing sparring and he's got a gym rival, that doesn't make sense to me, at least to me, because uh, in the setting that I trained in, especially when it came to kickboxing, uh, those guys were pushing on you. They were trying to kick your ass and they were bringing their A game but we're talking about a month and a half, two months out, right? You're, you're, you guys are going, you guys are ramping up. And by the time you hit that, that one month mark, you've already passed the halfway point. You're beginning to really kick it up. Things are going to get more intense, kind of like what you have in your training regimen that you posted. Uh, yep. it, intensity goes up, the volume goes down, right? So in the beginning. And, and if you're training with your partners, uh, again, I'm going to use the kickboxing setting. You're going multiple rounds. You're doing 10 rounds, you know, uh, you know, taking breaks when you can, but you're going round after round after round in the beginning. And at the end, uh, when it comes, when you're getting closer to the fight or the event, you guys are going hard. You're hitting each other hard. You're going full blast. And, if I were equated to the jujitsu experience, you're giving it, you're giving it all. You're, you, you got, you're getting in scrambles. You're, you're, you're pushing the pace. You're trying to win. You're, you're, you're really going after the guy. And so this whole thing where he's talking about the gym rival doesn't make sense to me uh, because it shouldn't be a problem. It, it's just training. The problem should be the opposite end where you have guys who don't have the ability to push the pace with you. Like, like if you're a blue belt, you should be rolling with, um, and this is probably not the best analogy, but if you're a blue belt, you should be rolling with the purple belts. If you got an event coming up, if, if you're, you should not be rolling with the white belts 
because you're a month out. If you're a month out, you shouldn't be rolling with white belts. You should be rolling with people who are going to, you know, put you in a corner and make it make your life miserable. And but people that you can kind of beat. Mm. So, what do you okay. feel about that? Am I am I wrong in that? Uh, so, so there's a lot. Let's go back to the beginning first. The the idea of like should you be learning new things or not? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say if you're going to make a rule, just like a broad, just very general rule. I would say that's that's correct. It should be it should be time to like sharpen sharpen the the swords that you currently have as opposed to like forging new ones. Okay. Yeah. There 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 are like there are exceptions, but like let's just not get into those. Let's just use the 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 blanket. Like that's generally true. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's also say that um the 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 person who wrote me some of that stuff um I don't, he, he hasn't been at my school for too long. So I, I couldn't say if he is like a competitor or not. Mm. Uh, but like, there's, there's also like a distinction between like periodization for competitors versus just periodizing for like your average person. There's still a place for it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, even if you don't have a competition coming up, like you might just want to have like a, like a peaking cycle and then like a, a valley cycle on the calendar. You know what I mean? Like, like, so you just pretend basically like you have a competition coming up and you just go up and you go down, you go up and you go down in terms of training volume and training intensity. So there's that. Um, and then as far as like the weeks leading up, um, you mentioned like, let's take like an, here's an easy example. Like, like we'll call it fight week. I would use fight week for kickboxing. I, I don't call jujitsu matches fights. I think that's uh we'll talk about that another day. But um, <laughs> not a fucking fight. But um <laughs> I would say uh yeah, during like during match week, you know, when you're gonna have your matches, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of low volume, meaning like not a ton of rounds, but keeping the intensity like your, you know, your your perceived effort keeping that very high. So if I'm having practice, if I'm having hard practices during match week, you know, the week I have a competition, I might only do three rounds, you know, or maybe four rounds at, mm-hmm. at a, at, at, at like a Wednesday practice, if I have a Saturday competition, but they're going to be competitive. I'm going to be trying to win. Um, and I'm just getting, I'm cr- trying to create like that habit of like trying to win. I'm trying to create the habit of um, like getting my nervous system primed for max, max effort, you know, but I also don't want to be banged up and too overtrained and like dragging my ass to the finish line, you know, at at that point. Mm -hmm. So, so as far as like match week goes, yeah, I I agree with you as well. Like I, I, I'm a big fan of, uh, of not doing a ton of rounds, but the rounds that I do, you know, are, are, are extremely active. Do um, you, do you take any days off leading up to the fight or I'm sorry, to the match? Um, because you definitely don't want to get injured. You want to do some hard rounds, but like, do you just coast like the last couple of days? Do you do some easy workouts leading up to the fight, uh, the match, or do you, do you just keep going all the way up to Friday and then Saturday you go? Yeah. So I'm pulling my phone out here. Cause I'm just going to, uh, for, 
for anybody who doesn't, you know, have the reference. I mean, I'll just kind of read you what like my match week is going to look like. So, um, so that Monday I'm going to do, um, like a full body primer, like in terms of weight training that Monday morning night, I'm just going to stretch out. Um, and then what you'll see is on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, what I do is I start training more during the day. Now I have the flexibility to do that. So I'm talking about like, this is like prime time. You've got all the freedom in the world. If you could totally optimize, like this is what you do. The reason I shift to daytime is because the, the, the matches on the weekend, those happen during the day. And if you're always used to training at 6 PM at night, you're, that's what your body is like primed for. That's what your nervous system is used to. Then like, you're not going to be optimized rolling at, you know, an IBJJF event where your call time is 7.30 a.m. or 8.30 a.m. or 9.30 a.m. or even noon. That's going to feel strange for your body. You know, however you warm up, if you're used to rolling at 6 p.m., but your call time is 9.30 in the morning, that is going to be very, a very different experience for you. Um, so again, I know not everybody can do this, but that's what I do is I just saw on Tuesday, I'm going to be doing a 6.30 a.m. training. Wednesday, I'm going to be doing noon training. Thursday morning at 9.30, I'm going to be doing uh, high intense. And this is all low volume, high intensity training. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday morning and afternoon. Okay. On Friday, I'm probably going to be kind of done doing jujitsu. I'm probably going to need a little break from jujitsu. So I'm going to do a conditioning primer with my trainer uh, at 10 in the morning, which is going to be like sleds, airdyne bikes, treadmills, um, land sprints. But again, like not to the brink of death. It's just like keep keep the, keep the engine, you know, moving, like keep things firing. And then Saturday and Sunday, those are basically, uh, Darla said this to me the other day, and I think it was like very astute. She said Saturday and Sunday, when you go to the tournament, those are basically rest days. Okay. Because like you're only at like your average IBJJF event in your average bracket for your average person competing you're going to be putting in anywhere between like 15 to 25 minutes of actual work. It's not that much. Right. So like, those are basically days off. I, and I understand like the exertion level is very high. Like you're really straining in certain circumstances, but like the calories you're actually burning on those days, it's just, it's just, they're, they're technically light days. Mm. And if you go into the matches relaxed and like you're used to, you're used to competing, like those are not hard days physically necessarily. You know, it's, it's much more mental at that point. It's much more like executing, you know, it's much more staying calm, staying relaxed, have it like getting into that flow state. It's much more about that than it is, you know, pushing yourself to the brink of death. I feel like I do waste a lot of nervous energy sitting there waiting. Oh yeah, sure. And, and it's just, uh, the waiting kills me. Um, and I'm sure it kills everybody. How do you, how do you keep your mind steady during that time so that you don't sit there and be nervous. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, for, for me, I've been doing it for so long. It's very easy, but it's only because I have like a routine established and like that, that to me, that's the way, like just, you want to, you want to have everything scheduled out very precisely and you want to have a routine. And one of the, the IBJJF, they get a lot of hate. And I think rightfully so they, 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 they screw up a lot of stuff. 
Okay. But one thing that they do not screw up is the, the way that they run their event in terms of um, the precision of their schedule. They do an incredible job. So within like a half hour to 45 minute window, I mean, you, you know, when you're going, mm-hmm. and so <clears throat> you can have an idea of what time you're going to wake up in the morning because they issue a pre-schedule as well. Like you, like, you know, the a day or two before, um, you're going to know, going to know like what time you need to wake up, what time you want to have breakfast, what you want to have for breakfast, how you want to hydrate, um, what time you're going to get to the venue, what time you're going to start your warm up, what time you're going to walk to the bullpen and then what time you're probably going to be going out. Like you can have all that stuff essentially written out before you go there. That's one of the beautiful things about competing at those events. And, and really honestly, like with modern bracketing software, Naga, Grappling Industries, like they, they all really, they all do a very good job too. The key is to just have like a very comfortable routine, a very comfortable schedule as far as all that goes. And you, and again, this is something that you can start to implement weeks out. When I went to practice this morning, I did the 6.30 a.m. today and it was, it was a hard competition training day. I'm not getting there at 6.20 and relying on on Travis or whoever's running the class to get me warmed up. I got there at like 5:50 and I I started doing my competition warm up because I just I just want to have all of that lined up comfortable. You know what I mean? Like it's it's just I want to have the routine built. Routine means comfort. And it doesn't it doesn't matter if you're talking about jujitsu or just life. If you establish a routine, you follow a routine, routines make people comfortable. So, so you do so you do the same thing for competition. You establish a routine, you stick to it, and then by default, you're much more comfortable than you would be without one. So let's say you're on Saturday, your first match is at noon. What okay. does the routine look like for you on that day? Okay. Um, I mean, I would I would want to like put pen to paper and write it out, but like I'll just throw out some numbers just because we're kind of doing this now. Mm-hmm. So my match is at noon. So then let's say that I would um if everything was like perfect, like what I would do is I would stay at a hotel that has a nice gym. And what I would do is I would wake up probably at like, ideally I would wake up at like, maybe not want to wake up. I wake up early because I have kids. You know how it is. Like you you just wake up early at a certain point in time, mm-hmm. wake up around eight. Um, I would want to have my, have my cup of coffee sketch on my iPad a little bit. Cause that's just what I do every morning. It's what I enjoy. I'm going to drink my liquid IV. Uh, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to do a lift. I'm going to do like a light lift. So like, I'm going to do like a, just a really like, uh, just like an easy performance lift, you know, might be some kettlebell swings, some like light treadmill sprints. Like I just, I'm just going to get myself primed up. Okay. Wow. Even uh, on the day of the, of, of the match, you're, you're going to be doing all that. And again, it's kind of specific to me because like I I have the luxury of like training a lot, being the owner of a school. So yeah, I'm I'm used to like lifting and then doing jujitsu. My body's kind of set up for it. So this is kind of what I do. But again, yeah, like I feel better if I can get like a very light, you say like a half hour lift and like some some light treadmill sprints. If I can if I can do that in a half hour, then um I'll feel I feel better later. Okay. And so then I would probably be arriving at the venue again, ideally, if I don't have any other athletes competing that I'm coaching and it's just me, I'll arrive at the venue two hours early. I'll find a, what I call a nest. 
at the venue where it's like it's some people like to be around a lot of people some people like to isolate themselves i am the in the isolate myself camp so i want to find like a remote corner of the venue where there's not a lot of people not a lot of traffic and i set up my backpack my phone charger my hoodies my drinks my snacks if i brought rubber bands to warm up with i set those up i'll tie them to a door or something and that's just like my little corner um i start doing my competition area warm up about an hour before my match you should always warm up more than you think you should hmm. at least that's my experience like you'd like i would rather be overly warmed up than cold for my match um you know go down to the bullpen when they start calling your division walk out and do your match now obviously i glossed over a lot of stuff there but like that's that's kind of how my morning would look okay um i think one thing that i have problems with is timing that warm-up sure i'm trying to warm up and i want to stay warm yeah. but not like i don't want to start too early and mm -hmm. it's kind of hard with some of these uh uh you're, you're right abgf does a great job with their schedule they do. They do. some of these other competitions they don't do the best job sometimes and sure. so you might show up to a place you warm up and then they change the time on you right Absolutely. yeah but you're sitting there and timing that warm-up is an issue for me because it's like you're warming up if i warm up too early then i might stand around too long at some point and then i start cooling down and now i have cold sweat on my body right yep. there's that one issue and then the other issue is obviously i'm sure other people also uh real or have uh experienced this they warm up too late and they don't get warm enough for the for the match so yeah. uh how do you control that or is there no controlling it so i think you hit it there is no controlling it uh like so i think i think the sooner you make peace with the fact that you're never going to be you're you're really lucky if you're like optimal like if it's perfect you know what i mean like you're really lucky i think is i think if you make peace with the fact that it's always going to be suboptimal like you're good to go where people run into problems is like they hit their warm-up and then they cool off and then they get in their head about it, like fuck i'm cooling off like god yeah. damn it. like they're always late like why do they do this <laughs> and then you start telling like you start telling your training partners like you know i cooled off like my grips man like my hands are cold like yeah. you know and then you like you start grabbing the guy's gi during the match and you start going like like god i knew my hands were gonna feel like shit damn it and you start like you get in your head about it mm. whereas if you like once you have enough experience to just realize like you don't have control of that fully and like it's never going to be it's never going to be perfect then you just start shrugging it off you just and then you're just happy when it's decent you know yeah. you're like oh like this this wasn't bad like i actually feel pretty good if you just expect your first match you just expect that your body is going to feel suboptimal like not great and just accept that fact everything else gets so much easier because then you're not like having a conversation with yourself about it leading up to and during the match mm. and then that's the one thing that kind of throws you off during your game and so you're just like damn i'm not warm enough or i, yeah. I didn't warm yeah that's if crazy. you say to yourself like that's just how it is like mm. like yeah like it's never perfect then that becomes part of the routine like now that's part of the, now it not being perfect is now part of your routine. And like, you're still in your routine. Everything's still going the way it's supposed to go. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, you make these plans and you try to plan as best as you can, but sometimes stuff happens and yeah, it does. Yeah. 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 You, you, you injure yourself. You can't, you can't, uh, uh, 
you know, roll as hard as you like for a couple of weeks or, you know, stuff happens. You can't get frustrated. You just, you just can't get frustrated about competitions can be chaotic. And there, there are going to be times where like you forget your shorts at your hotel room and then you have to drive back and then you have to come back to the venue again and they're calling your name and you haven't stretched out. Like, it's just, sometimes it's just like, well, that's, it's going to be one of those. Like, that's just how it is. So when you get injured and you're trying to do your periodization and there are certain things that keep you from doing uh, what you have planned out, how do you compensate for that? Like, let's say you run in this part of your deal uh, for your periodization, right? And this throws off your running. You twisted your ankle. It's not severe. It's not going to pull you out of the out of the tournament, but you can't run for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. or a week or whatever it is. How do you compensate for that? Do you switch to another training tool if it if it's possible, or if it's not, uh, how do you how do you compensate it in other ways? I would definitely hand that off to my trainer. One of the nice things about hiring somebody to do that stuff is that that mental taxation is not on me. I'm farming that out. Now, again, I'm speaking from a position of like extreme luxury here where it's like, this is my job. And having a trainer is like a tax write off. And it's just, I can just do all this stuff. We also have a lot of training tools where it's like, we've got the sled, we've got the treadmill, we've got the bike. We've got like, I mean, I can just keep going. We've got the landmine. We've got the kettlebells. We've got the free weights. Like having a knowledgeable trainer, I can just tell him I twisted my ankle. I don't really want to run. And then I get to just walk into a room where everything is just automatically modified. And I, and I, I don't have to think about it at all. You know, that's fantastic, uh, man. Yeah, it's, and it's great. And, and like, like that's like, that's to me, that's really the value of having like a trainer. People will be like, dude, like, why do you have a trainer? Like, you know, you know, all these exercises, like, don't you have kettlebell swings written down? Don't you have like landmine squats written down, bike sprints written down? Like, why don't you just, you, why don't you like program it? It's like, man, he's just better at it. He's yeah. way better at programming than, than I would ever be. And so like, what, like, I'll just, I just pay him to do it. Yeah, you know? he he does it all the time. He does it for other people. He's he's got the knowledge. He's he's thinking about it all the time. He's gonna make it. He's gonna do a better job than you yeah. could do. Plus, but what, that, but what that would probably look like is I just if I was gonna guess, like it would be you know we would just he would just sw- he would just swap out what I didn't want to do running in this case for like you know we would just do like cleans on the landmine, which mm-hmm. he would just swap it out for something you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm still I'm still gonna be feeling really good by comp day yeah i I think uh farming it out like you're saying is i think the the huge advantage to that is that now you don't have to spend an hour or two hours or whatever just thinking about what is the correct sequence of things to do on x day and z day etc like it's just you're saving yourself so much time And, and if you if you have just a little bit of knowledge and you need more, you, then you're going to do research that adds more time to this. You have somebody who already does this stuff. Yeah, it just makes more sense. I mean, well, if I you guess, can afford it, right? If, if, you, if you can afford it, I, I think that's like a really fair <clears throat> sticking point for a lot of people is like trainer, like personal trainers are expensive. And I it, like, yeah, but there are also a lot of resources out there. Like there's like, I think Apple has like a fitness, like my wife uses it. There's like an Apple fitness thing. There's YouTube. Yeah. Like you can, you can still like look to experts rather than like banging and clanging like by yourself, you know, just, just doing your own thing. People who like, you know, it's almost like a meme at this point, like quote, like in quotes, like doing, I'm, I'm just going to do my own thing. Like, all right, well, 
I can guess how productive that's probably going to be. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if they if they don't have the means, I mean, uh, they they really don't have a choice, right? But I mean, if you do have the means where you can purchase some time with a trainer, like yeah, right. I, mean, I would say I would say even just a few consultations. If you can't if you can't do it long term, just do it for two months. Like I've told people quit jujitsu for two months and hire a trainer for two months with that money. That's blasphemy. No, how dare you? What? I I think recommending that to somebody like over the age of 30 is a very responsible thing to do. Mm -hmm. Like I have made that recommendation before. Like I can't afford a trainer. I'm like, yet you're affording jujitsu. So why don't you put your membership on hold for two months and go see a trainer, Wow. see a trainer for a little bit. And then, and then obviously come back to me but now <laughs> now you might have like some infrastructure whereas before you were you were lost you had no idea what you were doing yeah um yeah because that's that's a great point i mean and even if you know how to swing a kettlebell even if you know how to do a proper lift of you know bench or squat or whatever it is you know a trainer is going to sit there and look at you and say hey when you're squatting you're you're leaning to one side or you're doing this wrong, or your toes are not lined up with your knee, et cetera. Like they, they're going to point that stuff out that you have not noticed. And it's not because you don't know how to do something. It's just that, you know, you're training by yourself, you know, whether at a gym or in your basement or wherever, and you're not having somebody watch you do the technique, you know, and, and there's technique there. All these things, they, they take proper technique. And even if you do know something, maybe this person has more current knowledge than you do, right? And that could be useful to you. And so there is, uh, there's nothing but benefit in in hiring uh, a trainer. I think also like we're all human beings, like we all have strengths and weaknesses. And I mean, I will tell you, I'm no different. If I'm if I'm getting a lift in at my house, like if if my schedule will not allow me to get to my trainer, I can tell you that most of the time I'm going to be doing some variation of like push pull buys and tries. Just because you love getting that pump. You love the way that you look after it feels good. It's rewarding. It's comfortable. And then when I go to to him, we're doing banded stance walks. We're doing stuff that your average person wouldn't necessarily like program for themselves. Mm -hmm. It's the, it's the boring, but like essential shit. And if I'm being totally honest, I just know that most of the time, like I won't program that stuff for myself on my own. Sometimes I will, but like much of the time I won't. And I just recognize that weakness in myself. And I say, this is just another another reason to hire a professional to like keep you accountable and fill in strength where you have where you have weaknesses. Yeah. And the other thing too is, is like he might notice something that you don't, right? And he was like, Oh, you know what? I've noticed that maybe your triceps are a little weaker than they should be in oh, comparison sure. to the rest oh, of you. You know, like oh. let's let's concentrate on this. And it's gonna be all the boring stuff that you don't want to do, right? Which is why you're in the position that you're in, right? It's yeah. like, oh, I hate triceps, you know, and that's why your triceps are weak, you know, like you know, get that's on it, usually, you know. But usually how it goes. Yeah. How, how, how did we how do we get on this? Right, We're talking about prioritization. And then, and then I started talking about, um, mindset on the mat before then we talked about, uh, warming up properly. (laughs) Jumping around, baby. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of all related to periodization kind of competition. Well, no, it, it definitely is. Um, oh, and then we were, then we were talking about, um, like competition day, like keeping the schedule Mm -hmm. talked about lifting weights or something. Well, anyway, yeah, it's, um, 
it's and so and so then i think like the thing that we were kind of picking at the question that we never really got around to answering was what my student was talking about which is like how do you basically how do you how do you have like a moderate day or how do you have like a light day when you're like a purple belt which he is and Mm. and and the wolves are at the door you know how do you do it um so you want to you want to touch that real quick please so i would i mean my again my experience would be like your moderate days like that's depends where you are in your periodization right like if you're in the beginning and and you want to have and you're trying to like ramp up and you're doing more volume and you you throw a moderate day in there that makes sense uh then you just you know you don't roll with the with the crazy brown belt has been like trying to kill you for the last two weeks you know you know go ahead work with the work with a bunch of white belts get that volume going up right we're do 10 rounds of you know blue belts and white belts but like as you get closer to the event uh, you shouldn't be messing with those guys you should be going after the killers the killers should be coming after you and you should be accepting it and if you get your ass handed to you it's going to happen, you know, it's going to happen, but you, you're bringing your a game. So like, you should be competitive on those mats, depending on who it is. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I think it should be going, but please tell me if I'm wrong in that, in that thinking. So I would would maybe just, just tweak a couple of things there, but just, just getting back to, to like his question. I think, I think he's wanting to know, like, if you want to have a moderate day, just basically like, how do you, how do you overcome yourself? No. you know like when when somebody starts pushing the pace on you and i don't like i don't necessarily have a good answer like i'm one thing i really enjoy doing is 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 writing stuff down and checking boxes or filling in like completion bubbles mm. I'm really big on this so as you can see on that um that periodization uh document that i put out on my instagram like the i have completion bubbles next to each one of those things. So I get to come home each day that I accomplish one of these things and fill in that bubble. That might seem <clears throat> kind of pedestrian, but for my brain, that works, that works really well for me. Maybe that maybe there's a variation of that that would work better for other people. But I love to come home and fill in that bubble. I love to come in and come home and check that box and be like, I did what I wrote that I was going to do today. Mm-hmm. So that might not be a bad thing to do for for those people where it's like okay you went in and you were intending to have like a light to moderate intensity day but you recognize that you did not do that and so you don't get to come home and check that box and that should feel bad you know like that should be like shit you know i i man i i i i, sh- I could have i could have had 7 days of boxes checked mm-hmm. and i missed this one and so maybe next time there's some accountability there for you where you're like, you know, I really want to be able to, to check these seven boxes. So I'm not going to let myself get super competitive. We talk a little bit more about that, but go, go ahead. So like I'm thinking, uh, so, so I, uh, the way I interpret it is, is like, you know, I want to have a moderate day. Uh, I'm in, you know, I'm in camp, quote unquote camp for, right competition yep. and i want to have a moderate day the I, I i'm thinking that you know moderate days are early in the in the periodization middle towards the end you shouldn't be looking for moderate days is what i'm thinking 
So I, I still I still do, but like, but but yeah. I think I think that it's fair to say that like you can play with that based on the individual. Like I, I don't yeah. really like necessarily right or wrong there. Mm-hmm. Last week, you know, I was I was still having some moderate days. And when when I say that, I mean moderate in terms of like how I'm going to unleash my attributes. How I'm gonna how much strength am I gonna let myself use? Mm-hmm. How much speed? How much uh, you know? How much explosiveness? how much like all this stuff like i'm just basically going to bring my speed power and strength way down or maybe down somewhat on those moderate days and i'm going to cap it so here's a perfect example i have this experience all of the time you're 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 going to laugh this is good so i i'm having a moderate day and i, I have some really talented guys at my gym these guys are good man um mm-hmm. And I'm really like, I'm really lucky to have that. And I'm very grateful to have that. I come in on a moderate day and I'm going with a purple belt or or maybe a brown belt who's about my size. And I have agreed with myself that day that, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to move, I'm going to move as technically as I can. Um, but I'm capping my attributes, you know, at 70% say. You know, it's, you know, it's hard to measure this stuff. You're doing your best, but like, I am yeah. not going to let myself get a, get over like a certain threshold. Right now. Don't explain that to your partner before, during, or after, especially after douchebags. Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I was working on that half guard, man. You, you got lucky. <laughs> I just want you to know today's kind of, you know, I was kind of going moderate. No, but like, <laughs> like, so that's, it's, it's difficult in that way. So then you'll start going with these guys and maybe they, maybe they, they keep you at bay the entire round. Maybe, maybe they score a few points on you. Maybe they outpoint you. Maybe they pass your guard. And then once this person who's very skilled has gotten by your guard, they're going to, they're going to close the show. They're going to mount you, take your back and they're, 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 they're going to close the show, right? They're going to finish you. Your job in order to check that box on those days is to allow it to happen if you feel like you're you're starting to exceed that threshold in terms of attributes. So if I am now fighting the person's arms with 100% of my strength, I'm trying to bridge out of back control with 100% of my strength and I'm, I'm starting to hyperventilate and I'm starting to become exhausted, obviously. I have gone over my threshold, right? Mm-hmm. So you need to keep it, you know, like you don't want to drop all the way down to like 30%, like a flow roll mm-hmm. point where it's like obvious that you're not trying it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. guys go the other way too, where they're like, they'll just totally turn off and maybe even like talk the guy through the submission. You don't want to do that either. Just try to keep yourself honest and keep it at 70%. And if you, if you get checked, if they, if they beat you, that's it. Shake hands after the round. Nice round. Great job. Don't explain it. Don't post it on your Instagram story later. You know, it's just, that's just, that's it. Like, then that is, that's the hard part is people, when, when my student talks about like his ego coming into the picture, like you don't want some people to think they got you. That's really what it comes down to for Mm -hmm. a lot of guys. A lot of the time is like, you don't want your gym rival or somebody who's coming up through the ranks to think that they got you. And I will tell you, this is like insider baseball. I'm not going to name names, but I know for a fact that like guys have got me 
on those moderate days. Mm -hmm. And then they've talked to people that I know and be like, Hey, I have like, dude, I, I got, I got, I got John yesterday or like I had a really good round with John yesterday. <laughs> and you, and you like, you just don't say anything about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and you just, you just let that, you just let it be like, yeah. that's just how it is. Does it, can it sting the ego a little bit? Like, yeah, sure. Now I also want to say, I have like high intensity days where I'm really trying to win and my guys catch me too. So I'm not trying to say that like that only happens on moderate days. Like that's not what I'm saying. Like I've just, I've got some, I've got some really good guys in my gym and they beat me straight up all the time. So like, let's just put that out there just so we're real clear about things. Okay. But yeah, like there are those moderate days where you're going to lose to somebody where it's like where you guys are normally very close if you're trying as hard as you can and then you you turn it down and then the you know the brown belt passes you mounts you arm locks you and you just got to shut the fuck up mm-hmm. smile and shake their hand and just go about your week yeah and that is uh, it's just that's a big ask for yeah. most people it's a big ask you know? it's, it's uh man you know as much as people say they're trying to keep that eagle in check it's hard and uh i've had a you know i've had a, a re- an experience recently in which uh again humbling but it's one of those deals where i was rolling with this white belt he's a little newer but he's got some wrestling right and so you know he's he's a little you know he's a little wild still he's a white belt he gets past he gets to uh side control then eventually switches to and, and i'm kind of letting him right i'm kind of letting him he gets to the that uh that headlock, the the farmer's choke, right? Sure. And he's he's sitting on that headlock, and uh, I'm sitting there. And, but I also know that there's 30 seconds left on the clock, right? And normally I'm like, it's not only a waste of time, but he's got me. You know, he's got me. He's got me. I can't I can't get out of this thing. He's strong, and uh, I'm not going anywhere. But he's there's 30 seconds left, so I just sit there for 30 seconds, right? Sure. And so he lets go. And so he was like, darn, you know, like I had you. I'm like, yeah, you did. You know, I wasn't going anywhere, but I had 30 seconds, right? Mm-hmm. And so then um, uh, we roll or whatever. I catch him in the same, in the same thing. And I put him in, the, in, the, in, the farmer's, uh, in that farmer's choke. I'm holding on to him, but he's got three minutes. So he taps and he's like, damn, you know, you did the same thing to me. And I was like, yeah, but the difference was is I had 30 seconds. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> you still had like two minutes, you know, and um, and it was foolish for me to, I think, you know, I, I remember I made a joke about it. Right. But I, I felt like, you know, it's kind of dickish, you know, like he got me. He, he had me, but I didn't tap because, you know, I, I, I wasn't going anywhere. He for real, probably, you know, if you sat there long enough, probably would have I probably would have suffocated. So I would have had to have either tapped or find a way out. But I had 30 seconds. So I had <laughs> all I had to do was sit out, wait out the clock like a jerk and so um that's not so bad you know now but i think it's funny because the same thing the same thing happened and um and there's a little ego at play there and i know it it, it, you know it kind of bothered me that i got stuck there i was like damn i let this guy you know pass and now i'm sitting here in this in this headlock and now i can't get out but you know at least i had 30 seconds what would i have done if it was two minutes like him you know like would i have tapped I understand what you're saying. I think it's, I think, it, I think the thing, like what you want to avoid during training is like explaining, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you want to avoid it. Like if somebody, if somebody rolls you up and you want to start explaining to them and yourself why 
things happen the way they did. You want to yeah. start talking about how like you lifted earlier in the day <laughs> you sleep all that night, yeah. or, or if you're having like a, a moderate day, like to, to start explaining is bad. Now, if somebody asks, if somebody's like, Hey, is today like one of your moderate days? I mean, I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'd be like, yeah, yeah. I go, yeah. today's not super, super heavy. I've had guys ask like, Hey, yeah. like, like you, are you going like full clip? I'm like, no, not, you know, not today, but yeah. I'm certainly not going to volunteer that information yeah. against somebody who just like triangled me. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's, it's just, this is all part of, of treating the training room, like the training room, like you're training, you're not fighting every day. Mm-hmm. Some days you are like this morning is a perfect example. This morning I went in with the intention of beating everybody when every single one of my matches with the, the goal of like start the match intensity's high and then work toward the submission. That was my goal for this morning. So there's a time and a place for that, but there's also got to be the days where that's not the goal and you don't explain it to people. So hold on. You have days where you go in and you're like, I'm kicking everybody's ass. That's, That's what I'm doing that, today. So, so if you if you look at if you look at what I posted in terms of of scheduling, yeah. those days are going to be marked, d- depending on the week and how long the training cycle is. Th- those days, I believe, are going to be marked um, moderate volume, high intensity. So I'm like, I'm not doing a shit ton of rounds, but I'm also not doing three. So like, I think this morning I hit five maybe six rounds, maybe eh, between five and six. And uh, yeah. And, and, the, and the goal was play my a game, shut everybody down, run up the score specific to my game plan. It's forced, it's forced top position, pass the guard, go to Mount, and then either submit from the Mount or take the back. Hmm. And I ran that, I ran that on everybody this morning. Okay. Now, if I'd have gone in and just eh, had a moderate day, I don't get to check that box. You know, I think it's important to like have a balance. You need days where the intensity is lighter. You need days when it's moderate. And if you think you're just going to stroll into a, a competition, all flow roll and technical without any, without any high intensity days, you're insane. Like you, that, that you have, you have to bring in some of that old school meathead training as well. You, you got to do it all. Yeah. You know? That's, I agree. That's, that's what this morning was. This morning was going and fuck everybody up. That's what it was. That's awesome. And so, do the people know? Do you let people know when you're coming in? Okay, look, I'm 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 going high today. Like, like I just I never expl- like I never explain. If people ask, mm-hmm. sometimes occasionally, if I'm going with somebody who's like more of a casual, I'll ask. I'll I'll be like, hey, do you mind doing like a hard round? Mm-hmm. Occasionally, you know. Uh, I only say that because like, uh, what if they're having a moderate day? And you're you're coming into your your yeah. you're you're worried about your periodization. Don't you want them to have like be periodized almost periodization? periodization. Yeah, I, I'm having such a hard time with that word. I don't still, know. They can still so they can still accomplish that. They're yeah. just they're just gonna get tapped out ten times. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that's like that's on them. Like that's on them. They can be as technical as they want, but they're mm-hmm. gonna have to cap. They're going to have to cap their attributes, their strength, their speed, their, their, their explosiveness. They're going to have to cap that at 70%. If they can keep me at bay at 70% capacity, 80% capacity, like, cool. Like they've mm-hmm. then they must have some really good technique, but like, mm-hmm. otherwise, like they're, that's just going to be a day where they tap out a lot. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that. In terms of your training though, wouldn't you want somebody who's also having a high intensity workout with you so that you, so that they bring out that brings out the best out of your training. 
wouldn't you oh, want yeah. that? Yeah, and they're they're like they're definitely like co-competitors, like people who are competing at the same competition as you are. So like Dan Sweeney is a good example, although he's not doing this open, the Chicago Open, because of his schedule. He did the last Chicago Open. We both did it together. And so like we were able to do that. We were able to like drill together on drilling days. We were able to go moderate on moderate days. And then 10 days out, we were both at a lunch class and he looked at me. He's like, we're going hard today. And I'm like, yeah you can develop an understanding with, yeah. with people. You know what I mean? That's the best experience though. That Great. is 100% like the best experience, at least for me, like having somebody come up with you, even if yeah. they're not going to compete, but they're doing the periodization with you so that when you go to the train, you guys are all on the same page. It's, you know, whether it's two guys, three guys, four guys, however many guys, but you're all doing, you're all drilling together. You're all uh, doing the same stuff. And then when it comes to sparring, you guys, your intensity levels at the same level. That's the best, man. Right. It's, great. It's, 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 it's a luxury. You know, like you're not like mm-hmm. sometimes you're just at the mercy of who's in the room. Yeah. Sometimes you do show up and, you know, especially like if you're at the higher levels and you look at the room and you're like, ah, there's like not, not a ton of quality work in here for me today. Like not throwing shade on anybody. It's just, I'm not going to get the, like the black belt level reactions from some mm-hmm. of these guys. Right. Yeah. Um, but this morning was good. I had, I had really, I had some really like good training partners in there this morning, some really tough guys. Um, it, in it, in to your, one of your earlier points, like it actually is good and okay for me as a black belt to like be rolling with like purple belts and brown belts and like having a ton of success because part of what, part of what happens there is like, you get to have like a lot of attack reps um, you get to get a lot of attack reps, but you also build confidence, like leading up to an event. Like you want to just, you do want to program in like some challenging experiences where you're really getting pushed hard, but you also want to program in some experiences where like you're really kicking ass and building confidence. Like you want both, you want mm. both things, you know? Yeah. No, that makes sense. I mean, it, it, no sense going with like someone who's going to just kick your ass every single time. All you're learning is getting an ass whooping. That's one thing my trainer, my my strength conditioning coach actually taught me was like a lot of guys think, you know, train insane or remain the same. And you just got to push yourself and you got to throw up in the garbage can. You got to leave it all out there and you just got to go till go till you fail. And like one thing he taught me was like when you program something like and you put it on the board and you've got time constraints or like markers that you have to hit, it's not good to like you. Sh- yes, you're going to fail occasionally, but like most of the time your trainer should have you at a level where you're pushing yourself really hard, but you're succeeding. You're finishing the workout in the allowed time and you're building confidence because like, okay, this guy programmed something for me. I pushed myself really hard. I finished it. I got programmed something. I pushed myself really hard and I finished it. But if you're coming in every day and you're just like, falling off the treadmill because like this guy is just running suicide sprints on you. Like you're programming failure into your mind and into your routine. Like I come in, I try to accomplish something. I fail. I try to come in. I try to accomplish something. I fail. And like, that's a habit. Like you're developing a habit of failure. Most guys are like, Oh, you're leaving it all out there. Like, you know, you're di-. It's like, yeah, not, 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 it's not scientific. Not really. Yeah. You know? Um, I want to say that, is that something that, is that something that you focus on? Because it seems like it's a reoccurring theme for you throughout all your training and the way you conduct class and stuff like that. Because, uh, and I say that is because uh, we, and we've spoken about this before, but the way you program your class, 
the way you have your class laid out, you, you know, you do your warm ups or whatever, and then you have these 20, 30, 40% uh, uh, rounds of, of practicing certain positions mm-hmm. so that the person, you know, can actually get the move, but with a certain amount of resistance is, yeah. is your, I, uh, is that one theme that you kind of think about a lot is how do I program success in everything I do? Is that something that you really think about or is that just something I'm picking yeah. up on here? Yeah, I think, uh, and I think like definitely, and also you, you're in that is the recognition that like some guys won't ever be able to succeed if you're resisting them at even like 60 or 70%. Mm-hmm. So if they're just, if they're just failing not developing any of the proper proper muscle memory they're not getting into the position they're not experiencing the position if it's just failure 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 sometimes people have the mindset like oh if you want to be a lion you got to train like you got to train with lions it's like no that's not quite right like if i send you into a room room full of world class black belts you're going to have precisely zero success so if you go to a camp with world class black belts for like a month you know and you're like a you're like a like a three-stripe white belt, I just don't think you're going to get a lot out of that. No. You know, it's like if it's training, like you're, all you're going to do is just experience failure, you know? So I think you'd be a lot better off going to a camp with white belts who are newer than you, white belts at your level, and then get some guys who are like blue belts and maybe like a couple good purple belts. Like I would pick that camp for that person over the go train with 20 black belts who are just going to like maul you. But I think sometimes guys get addicted to that just that extreme burn, like you get that, you get that adrenaline and you get that dopamine hit of, of just having like a murderous workout, which is also cool um, sometimes, but good luck getting any better at jujitsu when like all you're ever doing is just getting strangled. You're, yeah. you're not going to get better faster. No, you just, yeah, you're just learning to lose. Yeah. And then that's part of the, the confidence building thing where it's like, if I, if I have a competition coming up, like, I wouldn't want to be getting like absolutely smashed for the two weeks leading up to it, because then I'm just going to be getting, I'm getting, be getting used to getting absolutely smashed by everybody. Now you also don't want to give yourself like a false sense of confidence where it's like, you just grab white belts and you run clinics for two weeks leading up. Like this got, there's got to be a balance to it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, Did we hit all the points that you wanted to make? Um, Yeah, I think so. I thought the sumo talk was interesting. I think his was sort of like the most interesting series of questions, which again was just like sort of how, how to keep yourself accountable. And I, I think if, if anybody who knows me knows that I'm, I am just a really big fan of like writing stuff down, everything in my life training included. And then just like looking at it and honestly kind of going like, did I really do this the way that I wrote it down? And if I didn't, then like I, I, I'm bombed out because I don't get to fill out that bubble. I don't get to check that box. Mm-hmm. It's a powerful, you know, tool for me. And I use that, like I said, in training, but I also use it like for my business. I use it for my personal life, probably because I have a little bit of what people call ADHD. I don't know, maybe um, whether or not you think that's real, fine, whatever. But like um, writing stuff down is keeps me keeps me much more focused than I would be without. So yeah, I have to agree about the listing. Um, I use lists a lot myself, and there's a great deal of catharsis that goes through crossing that thing out and saying, "Okay, I'm done with this. I I finished this." At least mentally, for me, I feel like there's no better way of saying 
this is done. I am not touching this again, you know, or yeah. I don't have to worry about it for the rest of today or whatever. Um, yeah, I use lists myself. I, they're a very powerful tool. <laughs> I actually have like a, I have like a paper, like calendar planner, like a big, like a big book. Mm-hmm. And I just love, and then I, I like, this is going to sound silly, but I, I went, I actually went to the length of trying to find a pen that feels the best on that paper. You know, sometimes like you get like, you just get like the right pen or pencil and you're just like, Ooh, like I make good letters with this one. You know, I, I don't, maybe that's just me. I don't know. But like, if I get like a, like a cheap ballpoint, like I feel like it whips too fast on the paper, but I've got like a Sharpie, like a Sharpie fine point permanent. Uh-huh. That, rags on the paper and i enjoy i just enjoy marking on the paper with the marker so i've got like really nice pens and then i've got a really nice planner and on sunday night i open up my coming week and i i make my bubbles for each day like what i'm going to do on this day what i'm going to do on that day and i get to just go in and just scratch fill those bubbles like you're scratching like a lottery ticket you know what Mm -hmm. i'm saying yeah yeah and it feels like there's like a sensory aspect to it that I, but I find it very rewarding to like sit down on Sunday night, lay my week out. And then on the following Sunday, I get to look back and go like, what did I accomplish this week? What did I slack on? Um, and, you know, just like, just kind of like have an overview. It's really cool. So what I like doing, which is probably just, just as crazy, I guess, if, if you know, if you're on the outside looking in. Uh, I don't have a sensory thing. I have like a uh, visual thing. Mm. So uh, I I have this like whiteboard stick on thing on my wall because I couldn't get a whiteboard big enough. And so I I wrote all these things down. Some of them are for work. And then I have a section that's just for the podcast. And I I do all this stuff with both sections. But basically what I do is as things come up, uh, especially when it comes to work, I put it on the wall so I don't forget about it. Okay. And when I have meetings and stuff and discussions, I can always look over to it and see, you know, what the project is, when it's done, who did it, who helped me with it, what are the things outstanding under underneath it, right? Mm-hmm. And as I go through the week and I get to cross this stuff off, I leave it up there the whole week so that I can look at it and say, I finished that. Sure. I'm done with that. That's that's the part that I really fucking like because I sit there and I say, I finished that. I did that. And those are the people or those are the things that I did with it or those are the things involved with it. And so and it's useful because later on during the week when I'm talking to people in meetings and stuff, I say, hey, you know, there's that project. That project had these people involved in it. You know, we did it this day and we don't have to worry about it or this thing is still outstanding with it. Just one little item. And when Someone, when I can hand it off, I kind of hate it because then somebody else has to finish it, but I still have to watch after it. Mm-hmm. And so then I'm chasing it. And once it's done, that's when I finally feel a little uh, better about it when they finish it. Cause then I can check it off. Cause I'm still wow. babysitting it, even though it's somebody else's project or yeah. test, you know, like but, it. but that's, that's one of the, the, the drawback for that is there's anxiety there on something I can't control. Sure. You know, so there's that, but like, uh, some of the, the fun things that happen with that list is, uh, I'll have, I'll plan some of the, sometimes it just, it's crazy. I don't know why I still do it, but I'll plan my week for the podcast or not my week, but my month, maybe two months for the podcast. And I'll put the numbers of the episodes and the things I have planned out and it never pans out. (laughs) 
out the way I plan it. But when it does, I get to cross it off. And I and I can I can look over to that date and say, okay, those are the things involved with that. And I'm proud of the fact that I finished that episode. It was a great episode, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But, I mean that's 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 all great. Yeah. That's all great stuff. But yeah, for, for me, it's not so much the sensory stuff, it's the being able to look at it and say, I I finished that, you know. And sometimes I'll leave it on there for a while. Like I'll go the week or maybe a couple of weeks. Eventually I gotta get rid of it because then it's like, you know, after okay. a while it's okay. just silly. You know? Well, that's one of the cool things about the the paper daytimer calendar is I can actually look like uh, on like around New Year's, I can actually look back at my entire year and I can just kind of like page through and be like, oh, I remember that. Like in in August, or like August, I was doing this, and in April, I was doing that. Mm. And you can kind of like remember your year and then reflect on all the things you did, and then I and then I have a sheet separate from that, which is like a year overview, like the goals I want to accomplish, like each month, everything I want to do each month. So I'm filling, I'm filling bubbles out on that, my monthly yearly, and then I'm filling bubbles out on my daily weekly. So it's like, I got like two things going on. Wow. Yeah. But it's, it's it, like, for me, it just like, it, it helps keep me centered. I mean, I even got stuff on there like monthly, like every month I get to evaluate, like I've got a bubble for like, were you as patient with the kids this month as you wanted to be? You know what I mean? Like just something like that. And I'll sit there at the end of the month, which is actually like you know, yesterday, today. And I'll be like, do I really get to fill out this bubble? Like, do I really get to check this box? And was I really more patient with my kids or was I like just a little bit too much like into my own stuff? And I was a little too like sure with them. Like, do I really get to fill this one out? You know, and, and I mean, there's been times I've left it blank, you know? Wow, dude. So you don't just do it for tasks. There's, there's some personal things on those on that on i got a ton of personal stuff on there yeah yeah so like what else do you have on there if you don't mind me asking no no it's okay uh yeah so i've got the ones with my kids uh i for a while i had one with my wife which is like just take her out once a week uh, you know pat myself on the back i was killing the game so hard on that one that like i took it off the list <laughs> i was i was like re like religiously taking her out once sometimes twice a week like on date nights mm -hmm. and um and then my kids have gotten to the point where like we can actually leave them home alone for like an hour and a half two hours and unless we don't even need babysitters really yeah so that just became like duh and so then like i just took it off the list because i'm like okay that's clearly happening on a regular basis that's a habit that I've formed. I used to have it for my strength and conditioning, like do strength and conditioning three days a week. And then that just became an absolute no brainer. So I took that off the list. Uh, what other personal stuff on there? Try to try to create uh, hangs with my extended family. So like my brothers, uh, my brother, my mom, uh, my dad, just try to like reach out and like have a fire or go to dinner or like go have a coffee or something. That one has not been going very well uh, this year. Like I haven't been doing a very good job hitting those bubbles, but, but I can't totally control that myself because everybody's got schedules. Um, so yeah. I'll put stuff like that on there. You know? hmm. Interesting. I've never thought about putting that kind of stuff on there. It's cool. Yeah. I've got, I've got a, I've got a business section. I've got a like, BJJ training section. I've got like a personal section. And again, this is like a, just a, just an eight and a half by 11, like regular printer paper. This is like just a sheet that I've got for January through December. And I do it every year mm. separate from my daily weekly. Yeah. My old uh, kickboxing instructor, he, he does similar stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think you have to, after a certain while, um, after a certain 
time like if you want to be serious about what you're doing if you want to keep things in line especially as busy as you get the older you get the more the more more responsibilities you acquire and it uh you have to make some kind of lists you have to journal some of this stuff you have to like put it down so that you can uh, keep track of it but like one thing that he used to do is he has journals of his uh training cycles Mm -hmm. and he can look back when he was a professional fighter and look at all the all the uh the the different days what happened with that day and he would journal all kinds of stuff not just uh what he ate and what he what how many rounds or whatever but also other things that happened like oh this and this happened i had a problem with this person or this and this happened uh, i bought a car or i have great success with this so they're like it was it was but only if it was notable somehow and related to his uh, boxing career or his fight career so he would put some of these things on and i think it i think in some situations are, they might have been business related so he's like i talked to this pr- uh, business person this manager and we have this fight lined up etc so like it was not just uh, a training manual or a training journal it was also like everything that had to do with the fight sure. on that day he put it in there and cool. i was i found that really interesting but like it i also find it interesting of you know how successful he was and how successful you're having and the fact that you guys have similar tools at your disposal so cool. like it's you know like i think you just get to a certain level and these things if you want to be successful you have to do some of these things mm, interesting yeah i don't know um for me it's just like it just makes me feel like i'm productive and organized that's mm-hmm. that, that's really where it, where it's you know where it starts and ends for me i just feel i feel very i feel like kind of lost and scattered if i'm not writing stuff down yeah i hear you 100 percent. i'm right there with you all right man so uh if you uh if you're cool i'd like to uh call yeah. it a call it a, a day well, on I, this I think that, that was perfect man yeah perfect cool all right man well thanks so much john uh thanks for coming on the flow road podcast i am edgar Traves with my special guest john lawrence uh owner and operator and head instructor of hurricane jiu-jitsu out in cleveland you can check him out on his instagram hurricane.jj he's also got his website is it hurricane.jj.com or is it just hurricanejj.com hurricanejj.com there you go so thanks so much for listening this is edgar we'll catch you later thanks man the music you're listening to is called firepower and that's by starlight you can find that over at epidemic sound and if you're interested in epidemic sound they provide royalty free music for a license that you pay monthly and it's super affordable and if you're into this kind of stuff where you're making your own content and throwing it online and you want your own music man epidemic sounds the place to be they got all kinds of music they got reggaeton they got hip-hop they got all kinds of stuff and it's royalty free so nobody else has got this kind of stuff out there and it's going to be unique to you so it's really good stuff check it out and when you do check out the link in the description so that they know that i sent you make sure you also check out titan fitness man that's an awesome fitness brand if you're looking for weights and stuff to create your own home gym or you're trying to outfit your professional gym they got the best stuff and the best prices so make sure you check it out oh man it was so good to sit down and talk with john i am all in on the sumo stuff i can't believe people roll their eyes at this i think it's awesome i i of course have not been there to see one but the idea that's awesome and periodization man i don't know what's up with that word but i have such a hard time saying that word but man it's really interesting 
the way John handles some of these things, and I and I really appreciate his insights because I mean he's doing it, you know, and he's been doing it a while. The guy's got experience and he knows what he's talking about. You guys are really lucky out there in Cleveland, man. You got a great instructor over at Hurricane Jiu-Jitsu. Now, if you're looking for a badass jiu-jitsu place to train at and you live in Cleveland, Hurricane Jiu-Jitsu is the place to be. Make sure you check it out. Go to HurricaneJJ.com or you can also follow John on his Instagram under the name Hurricane.JJ. He posts stuff quite often and you get a good peek at his school, but also the way he teaches and some of the things that he teaches. He's very technical. So if you're in Cleveland or you're cruising on by Cleveland, you got to check the place out. Now, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's Edgar Otra Vez, all one word. Or you can follow the show on Instagram under the name The Floral. Make sure you check out the website, thefloralpodcast.com. Check out the sponsors and the links. I'll have all this stuff in the description so you can find John, you can find me, and you can find the sponsor links. Check it all out. And if you're digging what you're listening to, make sure you like, subscribe, comment, and share wherever you get your podcast at Press all the buttons to make the podcast gods happy. Thank you so much for listening to Zero Otra Vez. We will catch you next time. Behave yourselves. Laters. Laters.